वेलकम टू न्यू एपिसोड ऑफ द इंडिया इंडिपेंडेंट फिल्म्स पॉडकास्ट फर्स्ट ऑल मेरी क्रिसमस टू एवरीवन दोज आर लिसनिंग इट्स बीन अ लॉन्ग ईयर क्वाइट अ प्रोलिफिक ईयर इन टर्म्स ऑफ एटलीस्ट आर स्पीकिंग अबाउट फिल्म्स एंड यू लिसनिंग टू देम वी बीन वेरी हैप्पी विद आवर स्पॉटिफाई रैप्ड एज वेल सो थैंक यू टू एवरीवन हु हैज बीन लिसनिंग एंड डोंट वरी दिस इजंट अ साइन दैट वी आर स्टॉपिंग इफ एनीथिंग विल बी डूइंग मोर ऑफ दिस welcome to of course one of the last episodes of the year i year end is still left we hope to do that uh, sometime next week once all the films are done and dusted but today we are going to be talking about the big hindi film of the month donkey yet another shahrukh khan film third of his year uh, can he do the hat trick and uh, we are also going to be talking about um, uh, priscilla which is uh, sofia coppola's new film so it's going to be a very eclectic discussion because two completely different films and a um, lot of opinions i think and uh, we'll we are going to start with dunkey obviously uh, i think for those of you who haven't watched it uh, maybe not listen entirely to this podcast because we are we might discuss some spoilers though it's tough to really have spoilers in a film like this or in a rajkumar hirani film but uh, yeah maybe wait till uh, you watch it and then do tune into this uh, podcast um dunkey as i said rajkumar hirani is first film after sanju sharukh's third of the year after pathan and jawan um much anticipated obviously uh, also it's holiday season um and um, you know everyone's been waiting for this ever since it was announced and um, is uh, regular collaborators in terms of a hirani film abhija joshi co-writer um you have a bunch of very familiar actors bohman hirani uh and um, the usual sort of uh, i mean there's a wiki kaushal cameo as well takes off from sanju and from we'll talk we'll get to that soon but uh, udai let's uh, start with a few lines about the film and um, before we get into it because this is of course about a very specific uh, uh, topic which goes the which which goes the hirani way so um, yeah hmm yeah so he um... Uh, and uh, hello everyone merry christmas and uh, yeah there might be a few spoilers soon uh, so just watch out for that uh, it's has the sort of three idiot stru- structure a little bit in mm. the sense that it starts later in the character's life and then the whole thing basically most of the film is just this long flashback that tells you about these uh, four friends from punjab who want to emigrate to london um uh, we uh, start with uh, with a much older manu played by tapsi panu who's in london um she uh, escapes from the hospital we gather that there's something very seriously wrong with her and uh, she wants to go to uh, she wants to immigrate back to india um there are uh, and she phones up uh, uh, her friend hardy Uh, played by uh, Shahrukh Khan um where we find out that they haven't spoken in years and years and um uh, but they were friends uh, back then and uh, she asks him uh, to help her uh, immigrate and um, she asks him to come meet in uh, in Dubai uh after this we go back to 95 where manu uh, and hardy and uh, um uh, balli uh played by uh, uh, anil grover and uh, bukku played by um, uh, vikram kochar 
these are four friends uh, not very um, not very qualified definitely not very rich and uh, but they have this desire to go and live in um, in, in 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 england um, for a better life each has their own reasons some have family reasons some just want to be rich some want to um, uh, in the case of Vicky Koshal's character, whom we meet a little later, he wants to go and uh, save his um, his uh, his sweetheart from uh, being from domestic abuse uh, in England, and uh, so on and so forth. So uh, they all they 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 have to come up with various schemes to go, and much of the first half is a sort of slapstick comedy uh, in which they are trying to. Um, they're trying to do a fake marriage or a fake certificate, or they're trying to learn English uh, in uh, Burman Irani's clearly unsuitable uh, coaching class uh, in an effort to crack the uh, IELTS and uh, somehow get a student visa. And it's fairly clear that none of this is going to work. Uh, but that takes us uh, a fair way into the film until we uh, another way is finally proposed, which is the donkey, which is the you know the title of the film, which is uh, there is this apparent dangerous method that's called the donkey uh, flight route, which is to take people overland and uh, and and get them to western countries, uh, and that's what they. Um, that's what the rest of the film is about and how how they manage to uh, you know how, how how they get from india to england uh, through this donkey route hmm so i mean I, I think a lot of us were you know fairly i mean we uh, fairly aware about like what the donkey route was i think before the once the hirani film the publicity started once the trailer started dropping and uh, Uday, did you go in with like some, I mean, what's your history with Hirani movies and did you go in with some like uh, amount of anticipation or any expectation? Um, I was curious to see what Hirani might look like after a break and especially with Shah Rukh, who didn't seem like a natural fit with Hirani. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that it wasn't a, a natural fit and we'll get to Shah Rukh and the use of Shah Rukh here uh, but uh, no I can't say I've it's kind of been diminishing returns uh, after yeah. Munna by MBBS I, I, I love Munna by MBBS uh, and I think it's still his best film mm. and everything after that and and it's interesting because I was just discussing with somebody else the other day that how <clears throat> I think I like that film the best also because it's his loosest film he mm. didn't have that much control. He's just starting out, uh, you know, and so it had like this slightly slapdash kind of uh, screwball quality to it, mm. uh, which sort of every film after that, you can see him like control more and more and more of the film. Like nothing moves unless Hirani wants it to move and nothing breathes unless he wants it to breathe. And with certain directors who have like a really great control on the on the craft or who have like spectacular writing which is really witty and all you don't mind this kind of approach but with Hirani it's kind of like he's not a very interesting visual director at all yeah. uh, and um, 
it's it's there's like a lot of slapstick but there's also like a lot of really like the sentiment is really laid on very thick and uh, it's just it kind of it's a difficult thing to get through even though it it somehow just taps into or used to tap into what the public wanted uh, what about you like uh, was this was it a little weird coming to this film after pathan and jawan oh yeah very much because i was just thinking about that even before sort of going to watch dunki in the morning i was like you know i, I feel like sharuk the sharuk that um, signed dunki um, was a very different sharuk to the one we saw obviously in pathan and jawan like even in terms of his career i feel like he was desperate to sort of first of all make a film with probably a uh, modern indian cinema's most successful director and because he had rejected munna bhai back in the day and he sharuk himself needed a hit after taking a break after a string of flops and uh, i think this was his sort of you know this was his cash cow and it was going to be his like final dash at superstardom and it it, it he, in his obviously hirani very safe director as well so it's almost a foolproof formula so when i heard about him signing with hirani and even if you remember the spot that they did where sharuk goes to his office like this needy actor and uh, and and says that you know sir i've come to like do a film and hirani is the boss there obviously and that that's very much representative of where they were in terms of you know their career also sharuk was fairly down and out in terms of the narrative of sharuk which is so important this year that's how he stood but i don't think a uh, lot of us expected patan and jawan to be what it became and um, you know massive successes uh, irrespective of you know our opinions of it and some of us enjoyed it some of us didn't but it just been like it's just been that kind of year like it was between patan and jawan i can't think of a bigger star year in recent memory uh, you know across industries and uh, so that i mean the action sharuk khan that we got used to the where he is basically playing a version of himself like a superstar this meta sharuk khan narrative that he stepped into uh in a very nice and pulpy way i think uh, i think a lot of us got like at least i did uh, I, a lot of us got used to that because very loose sharuk that you see in those films and uh, he's clearly trying like i mean he's clearly like sort of going the very uh mainstream way in terms of uh, you know his image so i i was a little apprehensive about him doing an actual film after all that like hmm. in, in terms of like it basically Uh, this was probably the first thing he signed and this is coming out the last and this was going to be the cherry on the cake and uh, it but but the only worry was that sharuk the actor was part of this film not sharuk the star and as we could see from the publicity from the way he signed the film also it was very obvious that he was going to tap into those sort of acting muscles that he tried to use in pan in zero bunch of things that didn't work in the last decade so i was always a little worried when i saw the trailer also i was like you know this this looks a little dated let's no i don't like to judge a film from its trailers but i was like you know maybe it isn't sharuk so much it's also hirani because you know long break and he's not technically made a hirani film since pk in that sense like sanju is a uh, it's a very different film it's an anomaly in his uh, filmography but like it just <laughs> felt like uh, this was hirani's first film in a decade also so it uh, feels like a film that doesn't exist like i <laughs> i it's 
it's like it was never made like it has the the whole avatar thing that they say it had no cultural footprint and all that i truly believe that of sanju like no one talks about it it's yeah. it was this film that did like massive business and it was huge and it and no one mentions it at all like not one reference to it nothing <laughs> it is so weird it's kind of surreal like it's, it's it does like i mean also like you know dunkey being sort of uh, hirani's first non vidhu vinod chopra collaboration in forever uh and uh, it was always going to be interesting because you know as you said you talked about that control that hirani has increased over his films over the years and we have seen that very clean calibrated manipulative sort of storytelling that a lot of people love falling for and especially indian audiences but i was very curious about how it would fare today and i was fairly right about how it hit us like in, in i think a lot of us um were apprehensive about the same reasons and for me it was mainly that you know this is the sharuk that made things go wrong in the last decade it is in the sharuk we saw in jawano pathan like and that is uh, and that's fairly how i process this film also because while i was watching i think uh, him sort of act in this film it reminded me of you know his performances in as only in the last decade so the, the, a lot of his comedy reminded me of like happy new year and chennai express a lot of his um his emotional scenes where he's really trying and he's a terrible crier we'll come to that later uh where, you know it reminded me of the harry met sejal and zero and a bunch of other things so it it just didn't sit right in a lot of uh, ways and uh, i i think uh, responsibility goes to both of them it's obviously not one thing it's just it's it's one of those things that uh, i i think the box office collections will not be reflective of how how um, how actually mid or below mid the film is don't really know if the box office collection is also going the way that no clue <laughs> they would have uh, uh, yeah. they would have expected but uh, <clears throat> tell me like before we get to the the donkey part of it the journey uh, part um, what did you were you kind of um, getting a bit tired with the the whole the very long slapstick part before that with uh, bamane rani because uh, uh because it was clear that this was not going to really work like yeah. that that was one of my problems which is that you know if if i'm spending that much time and let's face it uh vicky koshal was playing the ali fazal character from yeah. three idiots yes there's obviously something was going to go wrong with the guy i mean you say special appearance right at the start and then you have like a really troubled looking vicky koshal yeah. straight off there is i mean something's going to go wrong and so that whole th- it was obvious that that's it's it's kind of going to go to build up to that and then there's going to be a break in that but it took a while like it was really a protracted build up and it kind of after some time it sort of uh got on my nerves a bit uh, i was wondering how you thought of that whole yeah, section yeah no i agree with that because the first half felt fairly pointless in a sense i mean i i think with previous irani movies um even though there was a character like say ali fazal who, who would like transform the film from like you know uh, a little se- uh, make all the characters a little serious there was like uh, jimmy shergill in munna bai also so it just uh, you know that's coming but i think what the previous films did was not use that entire uh, part up till then 
uh, as a build up alone like I, it didn't have such a dual identity as this film does Uh, i think there there was the fun and games kept going on till the end with like intermittent uh, seriousness in between or intermittent messaging in between uh, i think that's why i like pk a little more than most did because i thought like the structure of that film was very interesting there was no uh, it was basically from beginning to end the same thing like the same thing kept happening it was just a, an alien sort of showing the mirror to sort of indian society or society in general and uh, there were no arcs as such there was no like three acts in in a way even though the char- there were multiple characters and there were there were little story hooks in between i just i didn't feel like there was a build up or there was like a diffusion of it here it was so obvious so clean the like that first half if you take out all the gags it means nothing there is no messaging either then like you just wanted because bomanirani is sort of a collaborator and he's been doing this forever and that entire english teaching classes section doesn't hit it's not even as witty as say the munna bai portions you know like no, where, not, not, not close to it like and i'm not even saying that if this film had released 10 or 20 years ago it might have worked it couldn't have because the writing was just like it was fundamentally weak it was fundamentally not funny a lot of it it's not because like only the world has changed or we become a little more aware or woke or whatever you want to call it it's just that um, this film it, it, it was just very satisfied to be um, a sort of slapstick uh, film up till a certain point and then it just decided to obviously change into the dramatic part and the, even though like there were parts in the second half that try to sort of be a typical hirani film and all i don't think any of the humor i think 80% of the humor just did not uh, work uh i don't know whether it is because you know the makers have grown older or they are just out of touch with what works what doesn't work now but uh, it just felt like they're trying to um sail on reputation alone and and i, I and uh, i'd have to mention that even the commentary in this film is way weaker and way more um way more diluted and dishonest than his previous films like in munna bhai you knew what the film was trying to say Uh, mm. and it was a simple issue it wasn't a complex issue it was obviously the education system certain way obviously medical practices as a in pk there was a bunch of things but very potent points like you know what he's trying to say about superstition in this country about faith in this country uh, you you say that about three idiots also same thing like it's a education but here what exactly is it like are you saying that we should just sort of stop having borders you're not blaming the country at the same point you are basically saying it's not because of india that people migrated just people want a better life uh, you're not blaming the system in india you're just like saying that you know yeah. we deserve to really um, uh, we deserve to go wherever we want because they came wherever we they wanted back in 50 60 years ago that is rubbish right like that is simplification to the next level and that uh, that sort of goes hand in glove very much with the kind of patriotism we see today which is also disappointing especially after film like pk which would have never passed the century no. yeah uh, i mean pk for all its um, for its uh, flaws it really did go for it and yeah. it, it was it was fairly edgy especially yeah. for hirani and uh, this is i think fairly you know takes you know really pulls its punches and it has like a really simplistic world view it's not in, i mean it, it what is what kind of galls me a bit is that it's not interested in like 
the uh, refugee crisis or yeah. people who are you know who might have more uh, dangerous you know lives and uh, who might have like more burning reasons to have to seek uh, asylum in another country everything's just a punchline to them uh, it they have like a little bit in iran and they're just like it just uses iran for cartoon villains and it moves on uh, instead of wondering that you know out there like there may be people who you know have to leave that country and and leave by really dangerous routes and uh, don't have any of the you know security that these uh, that you know these the this quartet has that if they don't get to england they can always go back to their own country uh, whereas it would not be a problem like there's a there's a joke about an african man soon as they uh, eventually make it to england uh, and uh, you know uh, bogu is not the brightest wonders if they've you know uh, landed in africa but uh, it's um, you know again no sympathy there that you know the idea that there might be other kinds of immigrants who you know have made a journey under much worse circumstances uh, it's just um, it's 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 not a film that's curious about the actual issue that it kind of just traffics in it just uses at the end i think there are images of actual refugees and people who've done this route and all and uh, it's like you didn't earn the right to use those kind of images because like the, you know it's not really interested in 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 the in the issue that it's talking about yeah no absolutely like in the end when i saw those images i was like is this a joke is this the film we've been watching really because it, it didn't as you said you know it didn't earn the right it just felt disingenuous like it, it i'm like uh, of course you're the maximum that wanted or they even came close to showing with its absolute shallowness is how uh, one of the characters actually lives in london with a bunch of other south asians like 10 or 20 people sharing the rent in a in a very messy room and all undocumented uh, migrants and all of them sort of doing odd jobs and i i can name at least 10 forget indian films or foreign films i can name at least 10 hindi films who've shown us the same thing in a far more effective manner and as you said you know they they turn everything into a punchline here it has to that that um, it, it goes very much with this in general the indian culture of not being able to handle serious situations and always tend to diffuse everything with humor or joke like that is that is the essence of culture here whether no matter who you are or where you come from when things get a little heavy um, the coping mechanism is always been humor and joke and not in a good way uh, and i think hirani is a manifestation of that and that's why his films do so well over the last 20 years uh that's because people see the way they behave in the way the film behaves and so, uh, i cannot yeah. believe that street dancer 3d was a better film about immigration uh, <laughs> wow. than that is, <laughs> very, that is very specific i was going to talk about love sonia which is like a really bleak film <laughs> a couple of years ago which which you know to be fair images really stayed stayed in my mind and this was uh, this was like i mean that was like some hard stuff to watch it wasn't even pretending to be uh, a comedy a nothing there's not a light moment in the film it felt like you know uh, and this was because before mrunal thakur was mrunal thakur that she is today so uh, it just yeah as as i said there's so many references in that sense and they went for the kind of 
topic as they are just not curious about they i mean it, it felt like the the it felt like the donkey route and and the and immigration as a concept in general was just trying to serve a hirani film to go forward it just felt like instead of the other way around that you make a film around something uh, it just felt like, like the other way it, it just felt like it was exploiting a very uh, pertinent topic that is global it's not an indian thing it is by no means specific to one culture uh, but there was no such uh, there's no such depth to it and and that's the one thing there was a sharpness about even the previous films with their flaws there was a sharpness about the observations in those films there was sharpness about the antagonists or what they represented or what they were trying to say about indian society here there's really nothing in fact there's 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 an opposite of like uh, it's beyond blunt like it's it's just so sim- it's like a school kid trying to learn about immigration but getting it wrong and uh, and it just feels very misleading uh, because of that i think that dishonesty is what also like really defines our relationship with the film it's it's also just the the film is doesn't really seem very convinced about some of its own <clears throat> like its own characters like their arcs like sharuk is a is a soldier he just appears out of that is amazing uh, uh out of nowhere really in the film he just turns up on a train one day and he's on a, you know he's come for a purpose and then that purpose is demolished in like the first 5 minutes and then after that he just somehow becomes friends with the uh with the, the three of them and he falls for manu uh and uh, that's it like he's the, he's with yeah. them and he's sort of his 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 big uh, idea is that he'll go to london and propose to manu uh, under the big ben uh, and um, it's just, he, there's nothing soldier like really about him in the film they just uh, it just allows hirani uh, uh, to put in like a bit of an action scene uh, on in in their journey but otherwise there is nothing in his demeanor or his character really which is particularly soldier like it's just a thing like you know maybe at that time they thought you know sharuk should be a soldier because his uh, you know he was having uh, a string of flops and he was having personal problems and so they thought that you know what's the you know the least offensive thing you can make a sharu character and something that people can't really tear apart and that is soldier so they just made it that but it doesn't seem convinced about it at all yeah i mean can i just plug the fact that i call the soldier cinematic equivalent of ori because it's <laughs> just like an all in one character that goes anywhere does anything feels anything is just It's so convenient, and it's just there. Like everywhere you look, he's there, and uh, and he's just like popular for being popular. And uh, I think you know that's that's another thing. Given that you know the Indian army tends to really scrutinize the way they are represented in Indian films, I'm surprised they don't get offended by something like this. Like you're basically showing a soldier from the army who quit, who got injured at some point. and then you know just went like hunting for the person who saved him the civilian who saved him if anything and then just never comes back he's just quit the army and he's uh, that like and for the next 25 years we don't know what he's doing except that he's living in punjab and and he's just waiting uh, and and it's just like because he's a soldier you're basically custom fitting various traits into him like of course he's going to lead them through perilous 
territory in Iran and underwater that with ridiculous actions in underwater and uh, and a bunch of things and so that he can you know say patriotic things in England when they re- finally reach and get caught by uh, go- by the authorities he can say things like you know uh, no I'm not going to say bad things about my country just so that you can give me asylum here um, that is just like that's that's one of the laziest things I've ever heard and that also again you know as even you mentioned I think it it really ties into the current sort of mood and there's no there's no depth to it there's nothing i in fact i uh, empathize a lot more with tapsi and the other guys for staying back and saying you yeah. know we uh, our country poses us a threat actually and we'd like to stay back and which yeah, is true in at least sense. they're convinced of something like yeah. you know they it, they have like this like she i think tapsi says it also you know we've we've gone through so much to get here Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not just going back. You can't like it's that has to have, like that seems at least honest with what the character should be feeling. Whereas Shahrukh's just seems like an uh, another way to make Shahrukh look patriotic, which uh, we've seen a lot of this year, anyways. And uh, you know, I I think after the success of of. Uh, the first two films and maybe the success of this one he can give that a you know he can go a little easier on that and doesn't have to keep proving his patriotism in ways that harm his films yeah i saw a very interesting tweet uh, sometime today about dunkey someone was very disappointed after watching it obviously but mention that you know dunkey feels like it's sort of refashion from the carcass of munna bhai chale amrika which was very famously the third munna bhai film that was eventually shelved oh that's uh, yeah no that's very very likely actually that's a very smart observation it yeah. is it is like, i i didn't think of that at all think about this is, uh, it it would have been this right yeah uh, exactly if you think about any premise yeah it have just been sanjay that dealing with these visa migration you know migration issues and then having a larger sort of observation or commentary about like how people uh, want to go to a western country and this makes total mm-hmm. sense that they to- turned it into this film and this gives us a great idea of how it, how munna by mbbs might have been had sharuk been in that film you know if he had accepted that because mm-hmm. and so close to sort of becoming that and hirani never turning into the hirani that he eventually did mm-hmm. so uh, and it is an interesting point because i i see like uh, that this entire film as in that context now and see how wrong it could have gone or it has gone in uh, when you have someone like sharukh khan in it because you also at the same time trying to cater to who he is and how he acts and whether he can do certain things and he can't do certain things because you know accept it or not it's 2023 it's not the munna bhai era it's not like the 2000s so uh, you have to be careful and sharukh being sharukh has certain ticks that he'd like to do he'd like little homages to his own filmography in his films that he always does and there's no shortage of that here as well like even the soldier thing he's played soldier a bunch of times famously in uh, hit films in the past and and you know he, he does a lot of things here that we can see shades of younger sharukh in but uh, that's the thing and it, it totally takes away from the film's own conviction in its own sort of what it's trying to deal with yeah i um i, I, I want to mention this scene not because it's at all important but it's it's something that struck me as weird because uh, the in the in the desert 
mm. where they yeah. run into a Iranian uh, patrol like um, guards and uh, obviously they you know uh, they are cartoon villains so they uh, order uh, them to uh, run and Shahrukh stops um, um, uh, Hardy stops Manu and uh, and um, uh, Bogu from uh, running because he knows that they're going that they'll shoot at them uh, but um, uh, the other three people who have also been on this uh, journey they start running and this guy goes like to the top of a like you know he climbs up to a sort of vantage point and then from there he starts picking them off with this uh, uh, with his gun and that guy looks so cool I don't think Hirani meant for that guy to yeah. look really cool, but it it that's how it worked, and uh, it's funny because Hirani, I think when he, uh, I, I I believe he didn't want people to look cool because he cannot he 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 doesn't <laughs> manage to do that when he's trying. I think it was inadvertent, but like he really did manage to make that guy look like some kind of Western anti-hero with this cigarette kind of dangling from his lips and this uh, so Farsi song is playing in the background every time they cut back to him and he's like this really great shot from up there. And I was just thinking, you know, the, this this guy is more interesting than a lot of the, uh, you know, major characters that we're actually following through this film. I know you mentioned Animal in your review. I don't know why there are so many uh, Persian references in in one month because Salar, by the way, was also is also a Persian general, like a mythical Persian general. Uh, so that's like the third uh, uh, ancient Iran uh, or like uh, modern uh, Persian reference that has been there in an Indian film in one month now. So I don't even know what's happening. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about Vicky Kaushal out here? You'd uh, mentioned his uh, cameo as like a yeah. rare uh, happy I mean, for you. Yeah, it's just like, first of all, you know, I really, I think I really like Vicky Kaushal more with every film. I think he's one of the best sort of uh, mainstream actors out there, actors in general in Hindi film right now going around because he's just so fluid and he's just so effortless. He reminds me of Shah Rukh in the 90s to an extent. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, even with like someone like Ranveer Singh, even though he's a great actor, you can see the effort, right? Like, mm. but uh, I don't think you can see it with Vicky Kaushal. I just think it's in his bones. And even here, he, it feels like he's in a different film. And I know his character was designed like that. He's the serious guy. He's the typical Hirani character who changes it for the others, uh, mm. whose, whose fate is basically used as a, 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 a entirely a trigger to uh, sort of go on to the journey. And, uh, it just felt like he was such an interesting character. And normally these characters are always more interesting than the protagonist we have in any Irani film. And, you know, whether it be Ali Fazal or uh, or even in the Munabai film, um, you know, the, what's his name? Um, the, huh? Sorry, I, the, uh, nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I just mentioned him earlier. Uh, but yeah, it just, uh, it just feels like Vicky uh, Kaushal obviously like he can obviously lift every film he's in and he's been in a lot of middling films lately uh, yeah. but the problem and, and there is a problem when good such fine actors like that uh, tend to elevate the film they're in because then our sort of illusion or our relationship with the film is really challenged because we don't know 
if it's the film that's actually good as the actor and that happens quite a lot in hindi cinema because a lot of the performers tend to be in films that are far worse than them and uh, that happens a lot with vicky kaushal so in the three or four films that he's done this year none of oh, them really had five films this year by the way yeah, uh, exactly because almost pr was also this year oh and, god uh, absolutely zara hatke zara bachke which i missed which i uh, and uh, great indian family which we discussed on one of yeah. the episodes yeah sam bahadur which we yeah. discussed recently Hmm. So yeah, that's uh, exactly the same thing he does here as well. Like in those portions that is here, it yeah. just feels like uh, it, it feels like Dunkey might go somewhere, but yeah. we know where it's going, unfortunately. And it's just sad that you know he was the cameo in this film and not like Sharuk. I, I feel like Kanika Dhillon was trying to do Manmarzia uh, tributes with it, like is um, oh. <laughs> uh, somewhere where Vicky Kaushal was. like i went on the day she was getting married and uh, i just i just uh, stood beneath her terrace and i looked at her once and then i left out and i left and all this like it was reminding me of his yeah. really wonderful performance in manmarzia which was written by kanika yeah um that's true uh, kanika's contribute it's it's funny you can actually see because there are three writers in this film and kanika is the new one terms of the collaboration and you can actually see where she's contributed given that we are fairly familiar with her work in the last 5 years uh, and yeah vicky kaushal character is definitely a kanika edged character yeah the i i thought tapsi wasn't bad um i uh, i think she played especially the portions where she's an older manu quite smartly because mm. she doesn't try and do too much yeah uh, i think on the evidence of this film and jawan uh, can we just all agree that sharuk is really bad at acting old which is not really old it's kind of his age but he's like he just doesn't know what to do because he's just spent so much time acting much younger than his age yeah. that having to act his own age or a little older is just very confusing to him and it just it it comes out in very embarrassing ways i feel see now i'm going to have to tell you that jawan's old character was my favorite of the year like oh god like, this vikram rathor there was like the old sharuk even though he's acting terribly in that it just went with the general campiness of the film like it and it's just the packaging of that character it wasn't his acting that, so much. that i can that i can maybe i mean with the with the cigar the cigar yeah. was the best uh, actor in that film uh and and it it did wonders to his image in that uh but yeah again that's down to the filmmaking in that film that's down to the kind of film it is yeah, but yeah. here this reminded me very much of how terrible he was in veer zara like as the older sharuk the one who stuck in a pakistani jail for 22 years and then goes to court and have the same reunion moment with tapsi pannu here as he did with priti zinta there mm. again you know another old to a sharuk film absolutely unnecessary but they had it and you're right that is so used to playing characters younger than his age because he is 58 now uh the, and and he's been like older than his characters for so long that he just he thinks playing an older character will require him to be like 70 in his head and he's he's constantly been doing that every time he plays someone older uh and that's sad because if he had just played his age here, which is the sharuk we know or yeah. we see in interviews even though he seems younger than his age in interviews even if he had a bit of gray hair and just acted like he did 
I don't think he would have. Uh, I, I don't think it would have harmed the film at all. Here, it was so inconsistent that in the beginning, when the film opens with that race, he's running in Punjab, and uh, and then when it cuts back to the airport later, when the reunion happens and the older people go onto this reverse donkey to come back to India, uh, it's so inconsistent because in some scenes he's limping, some scenes he's walking differently, some scenes he's talking differently. Uh, so it just. It's yeah. weird. Like you, you don't have to act so hard. Can I just also say he's one of the worst criers in the last like. And we we love good criers, right? We've talked about criers earlier. The pickup Adukon is right up the pick there. The pickup Adukon is like perhaps the the best crier in in, in, in the film history. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Like there's nothing. And when you see the pickup Dane and Dave, especially opposite Sharuk, as she has been twice this year. uh you see someone like sharukh and i've been going on about this like a parrot for like 20 years that he someone has to like rein him in and tell him that stop using your lips like that stop using yeah. your eyes like that yeah. stop Vicky's being the sharukh he's not a bad crier himself vicky uh, is a terrific crier vicky is an like he was in that phone call that this film that he received uh was i mean you you can learn so much sharukh was a great crier in the 90s you know to put it into context when he had like the cheeks that could actually move uh it, you know i'm i know i'm getting too technical but as someone who's grown up watching sharukh films to watch him as a crier today is like just it's it's so difficult it's so like i was laughing at the screen while i was watching dunk like here it comes here it comes and i started laughing when the lips start quivering and when he does that silly thing with his voice and he start he's been doing it since dil to pagal in various ways that's why i maintain that in rabne banadi todi sort of aditya chopra really directed the hell out of him telling him that you better keep your lips shut and not show those dimples throughout the film and act as that dorky sharuk that you do just act and when you cry do not cry the way you usually do that's the only film if you look at his career in the last 20 years that he's managed to uh, manage to circumvent that sort of uh, very stubborn star image that he has and he thinks people want to watch him cry a certain way and i admire the fact that he plays characters that only cry a lot like that's a very nice uh, way of presenting indian masculinity we've talked about this earlier he represents a very nice little antidote to the kind of masculinity we see uh, you know the shahid kapoors and 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 uh, the sunny deols and the others do but uh, but if you want to do it a certain way this this is not the way you shed tears on screen man yeah i'm uh, yeah I, i don't think i have much more uh, uh on on this uh, do you uh, anything more or um... not really except that you know uh, when when hirani makes like a bad film like this or like a you know very less than average film you tend to see those flaws really stand out like as you said he's not a visual director at all when one of your jobs as a filmmaker is to actually be a little visual if possible i'm not saying like have a style Uh, or have a palette, but wow, he is just so unimaginative. And even as you know, it, the songs in his films, the song picturizations, uh, it's all so derivative. It's all so safe. And these things stand out only when the film is bad. And this is what has happened now. And then you see that you know, in fact, he's not such a good filmmaker. He's a good storyteller. He's been a good storyteller in the past, maybe. But like, I, I don't think he um, he's evolved with the times. like we and we find ourselves saying this about a lot of directors who started in the 90s and 2000s that's why i sort of even 
enjoyed Rocky or Rani this year is because it felt like Arunjaur had something new to say about his own filmography. But you don't see people like Hirani doing that. Or you don't see a lot of other directors in the 90s addressing their own sort of blind spots. And um, the blind spots were very evident. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's always been an editing first director anyways. He's an editor. I think he edited this film also. And uh, I think whatever slight wit or something you can find might be in the editing. So there's, you know, there's not too much of that, but um, certainly not in in the way it's shot or like the yeah, just the aesthetics, the choreography, music's really boring. Um, yeah, I just it's 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 a difficult film to kind of get very. Um, for me, it's just, it's just I, I can't get like really mad at it also, but yeah. it's difficult to really summon up any enthusiasm for it. It's just one of those, one of the many, many uh, kind of very middling films yeah. that will be forgotten very soon, as soon as this year is over. And yeah. Uh, mm. yeah, before we sort of move into Priscilla, can I also just say that I it, it's all, like I found myself thinking about Lal Singh Chadda and how much I might have liked it last year. Like, uh, for some reason, I found myself comparing Dunkey to Lal Singh Chadda because so in terms of career, in terms of like the kind of film, the scene, yeah. uh, it felt fairly similar. And I did sort of like that film, except Amir. Probably the worst thing of that film, just as Shah Rukh was here. But uh, yeah. some things don't change in that sense. But that was a better made film, uh, even though it was a remake. And this was just, you know, bland. Um, I mean, but- absolutely better made film. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, even yeah. though Greg like, had a lot of problems with it, certainly a better made film. And um, Amir fairly unbearable in that, but at least, you know, he had like some good moments at the end when he's playing an old guy. Somehow, oh, yeah. <laughs> some old guy. a really old guy unlocks something in Amir, uh, which he probably doesn't want to hear because I'm sure he'd like to play his age or slightly younger then. But uh, he's very good as like the old Sardar in that film but um, yeah I mean just the the Hirani now uh, he was so influential uh, on uh, you know for Hindi film uh, over the last two decades or so that like there are there are so many Hirani imitations some of them are pretty good some of them are middling but they're you know, they might still be better than Dunkey, you know, like something like Jayesh by Jordar also, which be, yeah. which was interesting and it had like a lot going for it. It did not work with the public at all, but a fairly interesting film. And that used to be the kind of Hirani energy that used to be there like early on in his career and now is sort of um, seems to have kind of gone. Yeah, there were uh, Hirani imitators coming out as just after the Munabai film, remember, like there was the Rajesh Mapuskar who I think directed Ferrari Ke Savari. Uh, I think right, there yeah. was uh, there was Subhash Kapoor who directed like the um, the Jolly LLB movies, uh, the first film. Right. So all of them like came out of the Irani stable, and uh, I think one of them was even uh, sort of uh, signed on to direct the third Munabai film at some point. But uh, but yeah, uh, you're, you're right. Like the imitations are, and over the years they've been upgraded also, right? Like it's, it's yeah. not like they've remained the same. So you know we are fairly immune to the Hiraniisms that we used to really fall for at some point. Even though you know Three Dates isn't my favorite film, there were times you couldn't ignore the fact that 
you know it is it doing what it set out to do uh, hmm. so so did pk yeah so did pk exactly um but yeah let's uh, move on to priscilla uh, sofia coppola as i said um, her, her new film um it's based on elvis and me which is a memoir by priscilla presley herself and of course it is uh, the film is about priscilla presley who as many know is a wife um, of uh, elvis presley um udai a few lines about the film yeah so uh, it's um, it basically follows priscilla's life from when she's about 14 years uh, till uh, through her courtship uh, with elvis and um, then following that her marriage to him and then the dissolution of that marriage uh, which i think happened uh, somewhere in the early 70s mm. so uh, very focused on uh, on her uh, as as the title indicates and it's um, it's an interesting thing because we've seen a lot of elvis sort of in film in documentaries we just saw the baz luhrmann film uh, last year uh, which i um, uh, rahul did you uh, did you see that yeah i watched it on like one of the flights i took this year and as as baz luhrmann would have wanted <laughs> baz luhrmann would have wanted uh, and you know like i have albion like baz luhrmann is i mean i i've always found him very fascinating for the the energy he brings to his films no matter some how bad some of them are and i found it very interesting as a double build to this film but we'll get to that soon just like you can finish like talking about it. yeah so it's just it's it's absolutely not the film that uh, elvis fans who might be in denial about some uh, you know about this aspect of his life uh would have wanted because uh it's uh it's a at at best it's a complicated film in a very you know uh, if you wanted to reduce it very much you could say that he almost groomed her uh but certainly it's 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 an atypical relationship where the power balance is wildly off base because he's this world famous singer this is the first flush of his fame where he basically meets her and uh, he just he sees her at a party and he is absolutely fascinated with her and uh, he starts dating her uh, with her parents uh, approval and, uh, and she's uh, yeah i think she's 14 when they meet and then uh, they uh, he goes to the army and then when he comes back uh, he actually has her come over to his house in graceland and stay with him and uh, it's um, uh, where she would have been about uh, 16 or 17 at that time and uh, it's 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 quite interesting because it's it's not like the film is a very uh, it's not taking a very moralistic view but at the same time it's absolutely not airbrushing anything and you see how priscilla is uh, very much a, 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 a sort of overawed schoolgirl uh, for maybe about half the film at least until she then kind of grows into herself and uh, starts realizing that her life 
is is not going the way she wants it to. Brilliantly played, by the way, by uh, Kelly uh, Spaney. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, and Jacob Elordi is a very interesting uh, Elvis Presley. Uh, mm. I I feel like my uh, my great love for Euphoria, uh, the TV series, is paying mm. off because every one of its actors now just seems to be going on to do wonderful things. So yeah, and uh, he's he's a very interesting Elvis. Very as as Raul mentioned, the. Um, the, the double bill with Baz Luhrmann's Elvis and Austin Butler's interpretation of him and Elodie's one out here could not be more different. Both are very interesting. I, I do prefer this one though because it's uh, it's, it's, it's it's very interesting because it's, it's like how much is this guy aware of you know what he's doing and like does you know do, does he feel that he's doing something wrong you you're always in uh, some kind of um, you know in a bit of doubt about that and it's very it's very interesting yeah there's there's a moral ambiguity right about his performance here which is i mean it would have been very easy to make him a jerk of like a very blatant jerk and you know um, there are scenes in which he comes across as one but then you realize that nobody is really aware of how they are behaving in this film. They are sort of almost victims of uh, the one sp- the spotlight on them. And and I found that very interesting that like uh, if you watch Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, um, which is a full-fledged biopic about Elvis with Austin Butler, um, and if and if you watch a Priscilla and that film, and if you watch this where Priscilla is the foreground of the film and Elvis is the background, you can actually get a 360 degree view of the marriage. And uh, uh, it, because it, it is that, it, it is like, it did feel like this was technically the backdrop of that film at some point. Because for majority of this film, Kelly Spaney's character, Priscilla, is just waiting in Graceland in that mansion, which is like built like a beautiful cage. And she's just waiting and trapped in some sort of romantic captivity uh, mm. while he just comes in and out after tours. Uh, and sort of, you know, manipulates his way around the man, just tells her to keep the home fires burning, quote-unquote. Which which is, I mean, if you look at it through a 2023 lens, a lot of it is very difficult to watch, uh, especially the way he behaves with her and the things he tells her. But this is the 1960s, and it is an... And, you know, as even you mentioned there, you know, that's how Jacob Elardi even plays him, uh, where that sort of tone, you don't know if it's tone deafness or if it is actual sinister uh, grooming predator behavior. And, um, and and I think that's what makes him such an interesting Elvis. Of course, he's not the protagonist, but the shadow looms so large, right, over Priscilla yeah. in general as a biopic, if you want to call it that. It's more of a memoir, really. Um, that, that, you know, even though it's exec produced by Priscilla herself, I wouldn't call it entirely... Uh, I wouldn't call it entirely that kind of biopic where, you know, you almost end up making, uh, as we've seen a music, bunch of musical biopics over the years. Um, but yeah, Kelly Spaney is really one of my favorite performances of the year. So, and and the I think that's where we'll get into, you know, um, Priscilla as a film because it very much felt like Sofia Coppola, uh, more of a Sofia Coppola film. Like, I like the fact that Coppola oh, recognized... Priscilla or the memoir 
as one of the many women in her own filmography rather than wanting to make a film about a historical character who is real who still alive who has a own version of the marriage of uh, to one of the most famous musicians to have ever lived uh, it, it just felt like a sofia coppola multiverse and she is the newest character in it and uh, and it it has so many themes in common with lost in translation and mary antoinette and 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 somewhere and a bunch of other films that she's done it's the same protagonist the same theme it's just yeah. that this actually happened and it's a sofia coppola gives it that exact uh, that exact loneliness and isolation and and ambiguity that we are so familiar with through uh, you know over the years and that's why i really um, I, i mean look at it, it it's exactly the, what um, what what the character in lost in translation was doing waiting for husband to come back in the hotel room and like just waiting and meeting a stranger the only it's just i really like the fact that coppola made it her own another really smart idea uh, on you know just on the filmmaking level is to have a soundtrack that is almost yeah. entirely free of elvis songs i think we only hear one elvis song in performance while he is you know which he's performing and there's a montage going on yeah. otherwise all the other songs are uh by other artists and what a smart way of not having like elvis is anyways going to be a looming presence in the film but mm. you don't want his music you know his songs to be playing all the time so that you know it because you want it to be priscilla's film and yeah. so you know you're you're kind of getting the idea that yeah maybe she wasn't just always listening to elvis songs and she's listening to other things and mm-hmm. even if it's anachronistic you know it, uh, some of the some of the songs it's uh, they give us some view into her mind space and i thought i thought that was a really smart idea like i mean that and it's such a sofia coppola idea also because she's done mm-hmm. the anachronistic soundtrack before but this is such a like it, it it just makes so much sense with this film and of course like no one shoots uh music on film like her like like no one there's yeah. just there's no there's there's hardly anyone in like ever who's who's been as good and i just at the the uh, where she uh, where she's listening to uh, crimson and clover or crimson and clover is playing on the soundtrack and she's walking this is after the very first time when she meets elvis and then she's walking through school the next day uh and mm. through the school corridor and that song is playing and it's a slow motion scene and she's smiling because you know she's like i just met elvis and like i'm this like my like th- these people don't know but i met elvis it's like she she has that uh yeah. she's just her life has kind of changed uh, even though she doesn't know that it's going to change completely but even just the fact that she met him and he talked to her and then the next day when she you know when that there's that scene it's so perfect and it's shot so brilliantly um really really uh, it's really smart idea and mm-hmm. um, uh, another film i was reminded of uh, not a coppola film Mm. uh was in the parts where he's trying to um, court her parents as it were into letting her you know first of all letting him take her for a date then to let her come to graceland and those scenes reminded me very much of an education uh where oh. uh, two parents uh, who are you know concerned about their daughter yeah. their young daughter 
who may or may not being be preyed on and they love her and she loves them and yet somehow this uh it's it goes forward it's allowed to go forward and it's very much reminded me of those scenes that's a good point like education was one of my favorite films like uh, and i mean since then carrie mulligan's just been really and and kelly spenny does look a little bit like carrie mulligan uh, she does she does uh, i'd have to say <laughs> for sure uh, and uh, and education and i think uh, there were also parts of catch me if you can in how sort of uh, leonardo dicaprio when he uh, oh. pretends to be a doctor and then tries to sort of court the nurse who's you know sort of and then has to like technically court her parents also there were shades of that also in the beginning of the film because I, even though that was a conman film and it, this it's not very different from thematically from the way elvis goes about his business at the beginning of this film i actually found it very interesting how far sofia coppola goes in the characterization of elvis like i've never seen it happen before like if someone were to make a i don't know michael jackson biopic honestly at some point in life ever apart from not the documentary but like an actual biopic uh, I, i would imagine it would be something like this or elvis's character here would be something like this i even wrote like that graceland reminded me at least the way it was filmed reminded me a lot of the way never neverland came to be filmed later on in history by documentaries by uh, even our image of it uh mm-hmm. because and of course michael jackson had married priscilla presley's daughter lisa marie presley so you can see where lisa marie might have you know uh, sort of had fashioned her idea of uh, men on because you know you see a film like priscilla and realize what elvis might have been behind closed doors a lot of us were aware of that it just as it usually tends to be in um, toxic musician biopics we really glide over it but uh, but yeah, i i found it very interesting how far she went because elvis presley obviously we only seen a certain kind of elvis presley as we did in baslemans uh, film last year where he was technically if you look at it a victim to colonel's you know manipulations played by tom hanks but <laughs> incredibly campy way um, yeah. and uh, you only hear colonel once on a phone year and you know if you have watched that film you know exactly what's going on when elvis leaves graceland and comes back you know what he's up to uh and you, th- there's a scene that almost matches almost cut to cut in the end when he's in the hotel and he's on a drug binge and he's like and priscilla just goes to break up with him and say that i'm leaving you you've seen an exact um scene in in the baslemon film as well so uh i really liked what sort of coppola how how edgy how far she took it because the grooming part in the beginning um it did feel very creepy it's it's also she without having to spell things out yeah. and uh, she she manages to do so much with just like the just the conditions in 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 which priscilla lives in graceland because it's you know an opulent house and uh, but um, like the scene where she, uh, she goes out uh, clothes shopping elvis takes her out uh, clothes shopping but uh, so when they're going out uh, it seems like the two of them are going to go out clothes shopping and and you know that seems like a sweet thing but then we see her like when she's uh, when she's trying on the clothes and then modeling them uh, for elvis there all his uh, his male buddies sitting there and it's it's just so 
it's not even like they're not she's not Coppola is not pushing the idea but it's so creepy watching yeah. the six of them uh, uh, see an almost underage girl maybe just like maybe yeah. just 18 uh, at that point and uh, uh, model these various clothes one after the other and they're just sitting there and kind of lounging on the sofa and looking at her and there's there's scene after scene where there's just like Elvis and his like four or five buddies just hanging out and she's you know and they're kind of they're so obviously an entourage and I was just thinking that you know Sofia Coppola must be knowing a thing or two about how, how entourages look and yeah. what they're like just you know from her own uh from her own life and it's a merciless i think uh, uh portrait of hangers on because it doesn't even try and push the <laughs> thing like it's not yeah. they're not like they're not specifically evil it's just they they just seem like such you know <laughs> creeps uh, just by by their group nature and the way they're sort of they're praising Elvis and it's 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 really a smart idea really to you know of, of how to create like this sort of unease where there may not like necessarily have been anything. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, eventually after Coppola makes a bunch of more films and if you look at a career, if you piece together all the films. Uh, together, you may very well get a biopic of Coppola herself, right? Like that's, I mean, there's so much from her, probably her own experience growing up, you know, in the kind of family that she did. Um, and you see, as you said, you know, you, you see so much of it in every film and the, the recurring themes that you keep seeing of uh, a woman having to deal with isolation and having to deal with hostility from the other, either the other gender or the uh, a group of other people, it, it it's it's there and and she constantly find new context to fit it uh, fit them into and that's very admirable because you know uh, no matter how effective her films have been in the last decade or so uh, she's never really let go of that dna uh, which we've been seeing since lost in translation and uh, and i i i found it i found the scenes uh, with elvis uh, when he comes back, uh, the scenes in the bedroom especially interesting when Elvis and Priscilla just fool around in the bedroom, go on like these cocaine trips or or uh, take like she he, he makes a dress up in like this really kinky clothes and take photos of her. Uh, and he at the same time, you know, swears to be celibate till marriage uh, and has this very weird idea of how their marriage should play out, how their love should play out and who she is in his life as, as opposed to the lovers that he on the side while he's on tour uh, and how he slots her in almost almost as a sort of submissive uh, for lack of a better term uh, who's waiting at home and waiting to sort of just um, serve him in any way possible. So I, I found that Coppola was especially ruthless about that as well even though it didn't look as much because I read somewhere that in the memoir uh, it's far more explicit uh, where Priscilla herself has described how Elvis basically said that, you know, we'll do everything but actually have actual intercourse until we get married. But that everything was really pushing the limit. And it was like none of that, of course, is but it's implied as you know, like she doesn't really. Uh, and that's I think that's one of the best parts of this film. You know, she's saying things without really saying them. 
and i think kopal there's nobody better than kopal the way you use visuals and the way you shoot the mansion and the way uh, you shoot those bedroom scenes also it says so much more than what we are seeing on screen yeah it's um just um and and the sympathy for priscilla in this is is just i i, I think it's it's quite remarkable how she's managed that without like turning elvis into a complete monster mm, uh, though yeah. he's uh, you know he's absolutely graciated in this it's, it's a very uh, it's it's quite an amazing balance and uh, as i said both the performances i think are are quite uh, quite astonishing elordi and uh, thing and and i think the film also does well by not really packing its cast with a lot of big names and not as you said not really bringing in uh, tom colonel tom and uh, the you know the a whole bunch of other um uh, uh, you know the whole bunch of other uh, famous names that could have been there uh, uh, but aren't really uh, priscilla's story their elvis's story and therefore it just sort of uh, yeah. it just does not does not go in that direction and i think that keeps the focus really nice and it really does feel like a uh, sofia coppola film where would you place this in her filmography as i mean i'm given i'm assuming you've seen most of her films so uh, yeah i missed her last one on the rocks so i i missed that on one the rocks, that's probably my least favorite uh, yeah I, it just it looked like a Yeah. It didn't. I wasn't really interested. In also, it just sort of landed online at some point, and I didn't really track it. Uh, I am very. Um, I I thought this this reminded me a lot of the Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit of Mary Antoinette. A uh, bit yeah. of the bling ring. It 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 it's. Uh, it has so many of her characteristics, and uh, and I thought it's a, it's a great subject for her. I. I I'd place it pretty high amongst my favorites of hers. Um, I mean, I love the fact that it's non-fiction, <laughs> like despite being everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, like just you know, in a way, just like Mary Antoinette. That's why it reminded me most of that film. Uh, and you know, like you give it the Coppola twist and you give it the Coppola treatment, and it very much plays out like fiction. But it the it, the entire essence of the film is that we have to keep reminding ourselves that this is true. this this actually happened this is a, a dramatic dram, dramatic version of that and i like the way kopla plays with the bridges between those two mediums very much like the way she shoots uh the way she really films like most of the spaces here and uh and priscilla walking through them or just biding away her time waiting um you know losing her cool it, so many parts reminded me of barbie for some reason in the beginning but uh, but yeah it was just one of the most fascinating films i'm glad i watched it on the big screen we had like a uh, mommy screening year um, mm. i would not have maybe felt it as much uh, it is playing on no, it, absolutely. Is, it is a yep. movie a very yeah sorry sorry yeah a very good big screen watch i um, yeah yeah absolutely and i think most coppola films are uh, supposed to be watched like that um unlike you know bazlumon who wants his films to be watched on a flight <laughs> Uh, but yeah you, is there uh, hmm. uh nothing on this you want to give us like a little uh teaser of maestro because uh, yeah. you saw it i haven't yet uh, i instead opted for salar so uh, 
um, maestro like i i mean i watched it this week i i wrote about it um uh, of course carrie mulligan bradley cooper you know two of the finest actors uh, for generation in my at least in my opinion and uh, it, it just it's an effort film and i mean that in a good way uh, it's mm-hmm. like really flashy really gimmicky really uh, bradley cooper going all out as a filmmaker after star is born Uh, really taking himself seriously as a director really doing a bunch of things that he's probably grown up watching uh, people like fincher and lynch and 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 so many other classic american directors doing and uh, you know just such a such a intriguing film again you know like entirely um, entirely uh, you know non fiction and it's it's just um, for me i i actually wanted to watch it uh, at mami but i'm glad i waited a bit because you know there's it's it's a bit sort of I, i'm glad i watched it on netflix for some reason and uh, as you know as people know it's a biopic of leonard bernstein who's a very famous american uh, conductor composer and you know his over the years uh, very this is a story about his marriage to um, his wife um, felicia Montalegre I don't know if I pronounce that right and that's played by Carrie Mulligan you know a lot of the film is in black and white at least the quoting portions in the big, uh, half the film which today I think you'll enjoy and uh, I and then uh, there's of course the you know sort of like later portions when the marriage is crumbling apart or there are problems it's, it's back to your color so some very interesting stylistic stylistic choices uh, to what uh, aronofsky's photographer um cinematographer ah, uh, libertic uh, matthew yes, libertic another director that he definitely got inspired from in this film yeah. i'd say aronofsky uh, shadow looms large over this one um two of definitely two of the better performances in in this year carrie mulligan was my favorite like even though she's not playing technically the titular role uh, i think she's it's just it's such a beautiful performance of such heartbreak and such fury um, and i have always been a great admirer of her and i i'm of the choices she makes i think this is her film like out and out even though cooper is like directing and playing the hell out of bernstein but uh, i highly recommend this film it's on netflix it's gotten like fairly divisive reception over the years since it had its festival run and i don't know what its place is in an award season but uh, I, i it's just entirely a performance and craft driven film and it, it's just one of those films that going to stay in your head for a while especially because music films have such a distinct uh distinct sound and look and uh, some of the things if you watch in this film i don't want to spoil it though i've described it in detail in my review uh, read it if you can uh, it, some of the choices make your um you know your viewing experience it, it really enriches them like at least bradley cooper as a filmmaker i have absolutely new respect for because star is born you know it sort of worked for me but also didn't i really liked him as a performer in that film but this one is right up there in terms of the musical biopics and i love that they focused on the marriage very much like priscilla in a way except it's from both perspectives uh, you don't see a lot of bernstein's career even though he's probably the most famous conductor to have ever lived um you you see their marriage you see his career through their marriage and you see that resentment building up in their marriage because she is um because she is tired of losing her own identity so so yeah that was my favorite film of this week
Yeah. And no, I'm I'm definitely going to as soon as I get like a moment I'm going to watch that and maybe by the time we are doing our year end yeah. podcast mm. I'll hopefully have seen it. So You want yeah. to talk about Salar uh, just a minute? Or... <laughs> uh I mean in in short even though like it's a bit difficult to talk about it in short because it's a 3 hour film and uh, it's it's really dense. but uh, yeah it's um, uh, prashant neel's uh, i think his first telugu film he made the very very uh, uh, popular uh, kannada films um, kgf and uh, and its sequel uh, and um, those were these sort of really really gritty action films and he's kind of gone even further on that road if it were possible uh this time he has prabhas in the lead and um, prithviraj uh, is um, prabhas and prithviraj are basically like these great friends and um, prabhas is this sort of one man army and prithviraj is kind of the scion of this uh, crime empire and he calls upon prabhas to uh, help him out at some point that in a very very uh, uh, you know very broad sense that's that's the film uh, very very uh, very violent shorten this uh, <laughs> shorten this uh, snyderish uh, sort of grace uh, depressing color palette uh, which um, fans will find impossibly gritty but uh, is a bit oppressive after a while um and uh, it's just it is kind of neanderthal in a way like it's almost like it's 1983 because it's just casually dispense you know uh, giving out rape threats and uh, that's the women are basically there to you know get threatened with rape and then prabhas will turn up and save mm-hmm. them and it's just um, it's it's there's obviously an audience for that kind of stuff and uh, let's not even get into uh those discussions because uh, i think we've just had enough of those this year uh, especially after animal yeah. but uh, it's um, it's it's certainly a choice and uh, it's it's not there's a reason why a lot of these directors like people sometimes ask they why don't you get these guys to make hindi films they'll become so much better and you can't because hindi films do not have this kind of hard edge at all for for better and for worse they mm. just do not like these guys would not survive the kind of reactions that you would get from the hindi audience for these yeah. but in telugu cinema it um, it flies and um, i don't know i guess uh, as an action film i mean it it is a very big action film some of the stuff is i mean it's it's impressive in a sort of um, grandiose way though i think kgf was more kgf was the revelation mm-hmm. uh, i think kgf 2 sort of showed that maybe prashant neel doesn't have that many tricks up his sleeve more but he can do this one thing well and uh, i think this confirms it mm-hmm. i don't think he is as inventive as say lokesh 
or uh, Rajamouli. And um, yeah, so that's the pecking order. And I don't know, Salar, if you have three hours and you don't want to see the sun and uh, yeah, and if you, uh, you might need to go home and shower after the thing, but uh, yeah, you could go see it. Yeah, you lost me at Schneider, so <laughs> that is the trigger word there. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, thank you for that very, very interesting, concise summary of Salar. Uh, for those of you who have watched Dunky, have not watched Dunky, there's obviously Salar like uh, in the theatres as well, two big Indian films at the same time, end of the year. Uh, usual business as usual in that sense and of course the other films we talked about um maestro on netflix and prisla i don't know yet in theaters or not but eventually will be on movie uh so yeah that's i think that's about it for our podcast today thank you for sticking around it's been a long one but a very interesting one two very different films and uh, and some bonus films uh we will be back definitely next week talking about the year in general our year as film critics, reviewing films through the year and our favorite or not favorite films uh, a year uh, end wrap we did do a half year wrap uh, do listen to it, it was I think in June or July or then we did one, uh, next week we hope to also have Vishita with us, she wasn't with us today, unfortunately her not been keeping well but she should be better next week and we'll be back three of us uh, hopefully discussing um, the, the year, uh, thank you for listening Merry Christmas again and Happy New Year for those uh, who are on vacation and see you soon.